What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. David Wiley of the OZ joins me as usual. You can find them on the line at okanaganz.com slash OZ. Check them out on Twitter as well, at okanaganz and at Wiley Writer. Uh, David, uh, one of the stories, the first story we're going to start with, first of all, thank you very much for uh, being back on the show as per usual. Um, the first story is something that is kind of just breaking as before we were uh, recording this. Um, and, and I think it's something that, uh, we all kind of, well, maybe I, not all, but I kind of wondered when it was going to happen, not if it was going to happen. And, uh, a cannabis store is changing its name. Yeah. Howdy Dean. Good to talk to you. Uh, Hobo announced today. I don't even know if they necessarily even announced it, but right. it uh, came out through the Canadian press that they're going to be rebranding. Um, they've admitted that their name Hobo was a bit tone gas. Um, yep, not a big surprise there. Uh, they've been hearing that since they first announced their name that maybe it wasn't the the best one on the market. Uh, lots of heads being shaken and eyebrows raised. Uh, they've got twelve cannabis stores now in uh, spread out between Alberta and Ontario and BC. It was actually the first uh, retail cannabis store that opened up in my neck of the woods in Kelowna here. And uh, they're going to be changing their name now to Dutch Love. So from uh, Hobo to Dutch Love, which isn't necessarily being welcomed with open arms either, just because people are kind of calling it a little bit weird. What does uh, it mean? So it's, it's basically... A, the idea that uh, it's a reference to Amsterdam's okay. liberal attitude towards cannabis uh, and that country's key role in, in culture and in cannabis culture. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a bit of a shocking change, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, the, the idea behind the initial name was that they were going for kind of a, a Jack Kerouac on the road vibe that there was a freedom and wandering. Um, you know, that was the idea. I don't know why they didn't just call it something like Bohemian, yeah. which maybe captures that a little bit better. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this all shakes out. Uh, it faced a little bit of a pushback uh, initially, um, just from the retail stores themselves, in the sense that there's a lot of name recognition that's already uh, you know, tied to the name Hobo, and this for them is going to mean uh, rebranding and uh, once again just trying to get some some name recognition uh, almost from square one. It's it's very interesting. Um, the it, like you, it's you just can't strike out like that on your uh, on the first pitch when it comes to your name in this industry that is so brand new. I mean. This is going to stick with them for so long. And listen, I, I know the vibe that they were going for. I get it. But you just have to think a little bit more and, and maybe ask a few more people about it in this day and age. Whether you want to complain about it or not, that uh, it's too PC or whatever it is, it's the way it is. And you've got to adapt. Uh, personally, I think we can get rid of a, a lot more words that are commonly used and phrases as well. And it just, 
I, I just never really understood the reason by it. The Dutch love is is kind of interesting. It's uh, it's just interesting. I just had a guest from Holland on the show when we were discussing you know, the cannabis culture in Amsterdam where it's legal to buy it, it's legal to smoke it, but it's not legal for the shops to get it. So there's this quasi-legal thing that everybody thinks cannabis is legal in Amsterdam and it's kind of quasi-illegal. So I guess that's a, a nod to that. Certainly Dutch love is better than Hobo. You know, the company behind a Hobo or Dutch love now, I guess we should say, is the Donnelly Group. And they're not a new player to business. The Donnelly Group is based in Vancouver and has opened and owns some of um, the best-known pubs in the area. So, you know, uh, this whole idea of them making such a big mistake with their name is uh, is weird. Yeah, kind of shocking uh, when uh, veterans make those kind of mistakes. All right, let's move on to a... uh, a, a lighter, uh, a funnier, and a very predictable topic, and that is Seth Rogen attributing his success in Hollywood to weed. And we know that, and and I hope non-cannabis people take a look at this and say, hey, maybe there is something to this. It's, it's fun to talk about Seth Rogen. It is. Um, you know, he's just found so much success by embracing cannabis. Um, yeah, I've made some pretty creative decisions after smoking weed. I think a lot of us have. And yeah, actor uh, Seth Rogen told Yahoo Entertainment that he says every creative decision that uh, we've ever seen him make throughout his entire life has been made after smoking weed, which is a, such a big sweeping statement. Uh, and then he goes on to say that he smokes weed all day, every day, and has for the past 20 years. So by nature, every decision he's made has been inspired in some way by cannabis. Uh, such a Seth Rogen thing to say. I, I'd put him up there with, you know, who else smokes more than Seth? Willie Nelson, maybe Snoop Dogg. Tommy uh, Chong. He's definitely. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I always forget about those guys sometimes. I, I wish we saw more of them these days. Um, so he made these comments while he's on his promotional tour for his newest movie of American Pickle. Maybe you've heard about it. Uh, he, the plot itself does sound like he was maybe taking dabs at the time that he thought about it. It's uh, about a, a guy who gets uh, gets brined, well, or gets preserved anyway, in pickle juice and ends up uh, waking up a century later and tracking down his great-grandson uh, great when he awakens. So there's a there's Seth's creative process in action right there. Yeah, and you know what? Like he is definitely known uh, for you know kind of uh, funny uh, weed related comedies, and and certainly, dude, I thought Sausage Party was an April Fool's Day joke. That trailer when it came <laughs> out, and, and I loved the movie. I thought it was hilarious. I was high when I went to see it, and I'm sure Seth and those guys were high when they thought of it, which is kind of the point but he's also done some other really good things too and i I thought he was really good in funny people uh he's done some good stuff with uh, joseph gordon levitt Uh, so not every movie that he makes is weed related he is a a creative guy and you know the i don't know if you're a fan i haven't watched it yet but i've heard great things about the amc series uh the i think it was called preacher like this guy is creating a ton of great stuff and as he says attribute it to mary jane 
He really is. And not just in his film. I mean, he's a big, big advocate for mm-hmm. uh, getting people out of jail over minor cannabis offenses. And it's good to have people like that with that celebrity status who can speak up on behalf of those who can't. Yeah. Uh, also raises a ton of money for uh, Alzheimer's research as well, because I think he has a personal connection uh, to that. So uh, cheers. Uh, and, uh, you know, probably the guy between him and Tommy Chong would be the two guys that I would most like to uh, smoke a joint with. So uh, to me, they're Canadian cannabis royalty. Mm, yeah. Agreed. Okay. Let's talk about CEOs for a second. And listen, um, on one hand, I say, you know, all the power to or to all the power to a CEO, if he can negotiate a, uh, you know, a very good deal, bonus laden deal, things like that. If that company is doing extremely well, it's a different story. I think when the company is struggling and leading the league in layoffs, uh, but we're talking about, uh, the CEO, uh, canopy growth and, um, you know, it was revealed, uh, this, uh, I guess the, the compensation and it's raising a lot of eyebrows. Math is not my forte. Uh, I was lucky to even get a passing grade back in high school. So I tend not to crunch these numbers myself. Um, luckily MJ Biz daily analyzed Canopy's proxy statement, which, uh, has been released. And they found that when you add up the Canopy CEO, David Klein's partial year compensation, he's making about $45 million a year. That's partial year compensation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's MJ Biz Daily says that's actually 1,042 times more than the median compensation for the company's other employees yes. in fiscal 2020. Um, that's a big disconnect. And, you know, it includes the salary, includes bonus, and stock options, uh, and other compensation. You know, and, and in fact, the, the amount that's being put aside for his retirement fund is about equal to what a normal canopy worker would make in a year. Um, and this is something that we've seen over the last bunch of years where CEO salaries just have been skyrocketing. Uh, and one analyst says that it's not due to the salary side per se, but it's due to the bonuses and uh, the stock options, everything that starts to add up. Now, Canopy itself says that the compensation is fair. They're arguing that cannabis is a heavily regulated industry, that we're in growth mode right now, and uh, the Canopy itself, being such a big company, is under the spotlight all the time. So the CEO needs to hold up to that kind of pressure and make decisions that are going to help the company to succeed in, you know, in this industry with all of its challenges. Um, if you're wondering how that compares to other CEOs, I mean, the, the, the one who comes closest, the second best compensated cannabis exec is uh, Tilray CEO Brandon Kennedy, uh, who in 2018 had a total compensation of about $42.6 million. So uh, that's uh, definitely nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah, it's uh, it, it really is amazing that, uh, you know, you hear um, the CEO bonuses, not just in the cannabis industry, but in across the world and the amount that they're receiving while, you know, massive layoffs are happening and the economy, but these guys are making money and Canopy is not. I mean, you know, the the, the back end to this story is that they just came out with a, a massive loss. $128 million loss in its latest quarter. Wow. Um, you know, their earnings are starting to pick up, but uh, they are not there yet. And, uh, you know, even after announcing the loss, they had a pretty upbeat investors call 
Uh, I hung on the line there to see if there's any mention of the upcoming report that Canopy's been, uh, you know, hush hush about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going expected to be pretty damning uh, indictment of legal vapes that are using phytol additive. Um, they didn't mention that. Uh, they did, though. However, Klein reiterated that uh, you know we have access to what he called their remarkably uh, remarkably safe products, and he emphasized about four areas um, that they want to improve their nimbleness in Canada, improve their quality. Um, that they've got some exciting stuff happening in the U.S., and they really want to be more disciplined financially. Uh, also, he did not mention the fact that they've shed about twenty percent of their workforce since January first of this year. So, uh, you know, you may not be making a lot of money at Canopy, but at this point in time, it seems like you're lucky if you even have a job to go to. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Uh, Okay, I wanted to uh, wrap up with a a story, an update, uh, if you will, to the story that we discussed last week. Um, It was a very popular segment uh, when I put it out on its own uh, in the uh, the podcast space. And um, this is the story that... You know, we, we, we said that these vapes are going to be safe. Health Canada is going to be checking them. We're not going to have a vape crisis like the black market had in the U.S. and Canada. Um, and I'm not at all equating that to this, but there are certainly some concerns with vape pens, so much so that Canopy Growth has stopped selling some of these vape pens that contain Phytol, as you mentioned. What's the update? Yeah, last week when we talked about this, uh, the information was really inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Nothing uh, nothing had been confirmed. Uh, I reached out to Canopy and Health Canada for some clarification of what's going on, and both did respond to me, to their credit. Uh, Canopy confirmed that it stopped selling vape products uh, that contain Phytol as an additive due to health concerns. They do have a report coming out um that will shed some light on what that means. So in a statement, uh, their chief medical officer, Dr. Mark Ware, said the decision uh, was based on that study. And he said that the new information now underscores the need for consistent science and evidence-based regulations for cannabis products so that people have access to safe cannabis products that they can trust. Uh, And he says in a bit of a shot, I guess, to uh, maybe other producers that are made by producers that act with integrity. Uh, and it still wasn't clear enough for me. So, you know, again, I pushed Health Canada uh, on what this means to them. And they told me that it's actually up to the license holders to ensure that their products are safe. What? So it's, uh, it's, it's their responsibility, according to Health Canada. And what, uh, what the Department of Health federally has been doing is reaching out to these different producers and asking them for uh, a makeup of what's in the vape cartridges, uh, which they've been compiling that information now. And it's not necessarily focused just on Phytol, uh, but it is something that they, they want to, uh, to, to compile so that they can figure out uh, the makeup of all these, these vape products. So, you know, there's still not some solid information. I'm really... Uh, interested in seeing what Canopy study has to say, and I think that that's the next step in uh, in the story. Uh, you know what what is wrong with Vital, and also what other producers are using it as an additive. We have found that uh, there are pens that are made by Dosis, the Bliss pens do list Vital as an ingredient, um, but it's un- uh, really it's unclear 
how many and which products do include it as an additive because producers are not, uh, they, they don't have to disclose the ingredients in the oils. Um, so, you know, there, I think that this is going to lead to some, some big changes. Well, and it should. And a couple of things I'm unclear of uh, still, and you know, I'm, I'm certainly more clear than we were last week, but mm-hmm. so I, does it sound to you that they're saying the onus is on the LPs and, and the, the, whoever's producing this to police themselves? That's, that's like, kind of like saying, Hey, it's, it's not our game. No, I think that is your responsibility. I don't think, listen, I, I trust most people and most producers, but I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that might be cutting corners or doing something. I, is, am I reading that right? That's exactly what they're saying. They're what? saying that, uh, and I quote, the license holders are responsible for ensuring that all of their products meet the requirements, and that includes not selling cannabis products that contain anything that may cause injury to the health of the user when used <clears throat> as intended or in a reasonably foreseeable way. So it really does come down to the license holders. I, I just, I think that, you know, like, like I said, I think most of them do a great job as uh, the, uh, the the quote was about integrity in the story on the OZ. But I just think that you're, you're going to run into problems when you're just leaving it up to that. You are Health Canada. You should be uh, checking and, 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 and not letting it up to the LP because corners will be cut eventually at some point. And uh, maybe I already have. And, and the other thing is, I think we should be finding out what these products are now. Um, what if somebody has purchased these in the past? Sure. They're not selling them anymore, but what if other places are like, I just think the information is coming a little bit too slow on this. It really is. You know, are we going to see recalls? Right. You know, we don't know. Is Canopy study going to be made public? We don't know. What are Health Canada's next steps? We don't know. There's a lot still to be found out about the story. And uh, I'm surprised that we're not seeing more media outlets hop onto this. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully they will, because, you know, this is something that cannabis consumers need to know about. Transparency is so important. When you're talking about one of the main reasons you want to legalize cannabis is to stamp out the black or gray market because you don't know what's in that product. And then you turn around and don't even know what's in the product that you're legalizing. That seems counterintuitive. There's an old journalism adage that really applies to this. And that's credibility is hard to earn and it's easy to lose. Yeah. And when you don't have transparency, your credibility is gone. It, well, not gone, but it takes a hit. Right. Like the, sure does. Here, here's a, here's an example for years. Fans have been saying the NHL should draft do the lottery live on television because they always did it in the back room and then produce the results this year. They did it live and there was no, no complaints because there was absolute transparency and that's what we need more of in the cannabis industry. I agree. Great stuff, David. Thanks as always for joining me and uh, bringing the good stories that we need to know about, particularly about uh, what is going in our vape pens. So great work on that front. You can check things out at okanaganz.com slash OZ. You can try, uh, find them on Twitter at okanaganz and David's at Wiley Writer. Thanks once again. Enjoy the rest of your week. You too, my friend.